Welcome back to the Between the Levees podcast. I'm joined today by Miss Deborah Mayfield. She's had a nearly 35-year career that began in accounting uh, in the late 80s. Uh, her career has taken her through a, a number of companies, some of which I'm familiar with, and I'd like to know a little bit more. Miss Mayfield, thank you very much for joining me. It's my pleasure, Tim. Well, tell me a little bit about what you do these days. What I do these days, um, James, Mr. James Scott, the close personal friend of mine I've known for over 20 years, he was opening the barge fleet here in Corpus and he told me he needed me to come down here and help him get it started. So I came down and I started out helping him in dispatch. We set up the dispatch department. And uh, that was in February of 2022. And then in November, I was promoted to his assistant and then to HSSE manager probably in February or March of this year. And that's what I've been doing, doing all the compliance and, you know, Coast Guard issues and whatever need, you know, whatever we need to do to get us, to get us legal, let's put it that way, you know, to satisfy the TGLO, TCEQ, the Coast Guard. <clears throat> so that includes up to and including updating their, our ops manual, our response plan, you know, just um, standard operating procedures. So it, it's, um, I'm always reading. I have my head in a book at all times and always modifying something. So it's, sure. it's interesting. Well, let's take it back a few years. Tell me, uh, where were you born? I was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. What did your parents do for a living? My dad owned his own electrical business and my mother was the housewife. Were you drawn to anything at school growing up? Did you spend your entire childhood in, in, uh, in New Orleans? No, I actually, about 1969, 68 or 69, we moved to the West Bank, to Marrero, Louisiana, and lived about a block and a half from the Mississippi River. So, you know, got to see all the boats and the ships up the south, northbound and southbound. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated high school and I went into business class, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I figured uh, taking accounting would be a safe way to get into an office environment, and then I could go from there. I sure did. Was there anything else you, you enjoyed growing up? Not really. I was good in math, and I was really good with numbers, so I figured um, I could excel at that, and I did, and I just got to be pretty boring, actually. So... I got the opportunity, I had the opportunity to work for in the marine business and I just, I don't know, I latched on to that and I just loved it. So I just, I had this insatiable knowledge that I just, I couldn't get enough. I had to keep learning more and more and more about the business. And I was very fortunate that I had a lot of really good mentors and allowed me to do that. Some has been in maintenance and you know, build the shipyards and crewing and, you know, I've worked with James we on Tobo trip work together. And um, then, you know, we work together, you know, throughout the rest of our career through with various companies. So it's been pretty interesting. I've done audits and I've done all this good stuff. So I enjoyed it. Did you say you attended uh, any college? I attended business college, Delta College. And that's when I majored in accounting. So it's, um, I, I thought, I knew I wasn't going to stay doing accounting. It was just, I was good with numbers. So I figured it was, you know, I'll try there and see where it led me. So maybe I'd find 
something that I really wanted to do. And then I did. And did you finish up that accounting program or did you get to work prior to that? No, I did. I finished up. I did. I went to school and I finished the accounting program and then I went on into the workforce. And I, I think I worked, my first job was, I worked for Pool Offshore Company on Peter's Road in accounting. And then I, I got hired in as, into accounting by um, a marine broker and I worked for him for five years. And I went to Marine Inland and I worked for them for seven and a half years. And I was actually offered a position at Marine Inland uh, by Memco. And I took it. Was that very first job in the industry? No, it was in the offshore, offshore rigs. That's what that was, offshore rigs. But my second job, my second job was working for a marine broker. And as I said, we did a lot of island hopping in the Caribbean. And um, so I, I coordinated travel and dealt with his customers and whatever he needed me to do, I, I pretty much did and did the accounting as well. So I've done crew changes. <laughs> I've done quite a few things that I never thought I'd ever do, but I did them. Well, walk me through some details of, of your, your jobs up until you arrived at Memco. Well, that was pretty much it. I worked, as I said, I worked for the Marine broker um, for five years. And then I went, I, I was hired on uh, at Marine Inland Transportation under Sherry and George. And I, I started dispatching there for push boats and coordinating, coordinating maintenance and repair, believe it or not. And I was responsible for coordinating uh, the maintenance repair for 13 push boats. So that was, that was pretty interesting. Kept me pretty busy. And then I was offered a job through um, Dems Vallejo approached me about going to work as an assistant operations manager. And at that time, uh, it was compass dockside towing and fleeting. And at first I told him no. And then I thought about it and said, maybe I should make the move. So I did. And um, I stayed there about three years until they closed my division. I was responsible for the small tow boats, the push boats. And I guess having that little bit of maintenance knowledge really helped, you know, because you, you know, we, we didn't have um, a port engineer at that time. So we kind of helped a little bit. And then when I left there, I actually went to work for Cody Marine Shipyard. And um, then I went back to uh, back to Elmwood, worked for Elmwood Marine Services for I was probably there probably five or so years, and I worked in the shipyard at in the upside, answering the phone. And again, you know the the accounting background really helped me because that's what I did there exclusively for them. And then I went on to you know place I left there, and I, I went to. Uh, a company that's no longer in business, uh, business the Versatility Marine that was uh, owned by the Nobra pilots, two of the Nobra pilots. And so there I did a lot of the, a lot of the recruiting for, you know, deck personnel as well as wheelhouse. So I'd already had that experience. And then I ran into James Scott again, and uh, we just, you know, he had already formed Tubbo Trip World, and I went on board with him for a while and, you know, placing pilots on inland push boats all over the United States. And, that was pretty interesting. And then I went to work for Magnolia Fleet as an operations manager at the 122 Fleet in the river. But from there, I, I did go on to, um, I went to work for Laborde Products in Covington in the service department, because I had the knack of, I knew a lot, a lot of the boats and I had the familiarity with the, 
with their engine repairs and that kind of thing. So that worked out really well. And I worked for them for about three or four years. And I loved working there. I loved, I've loved every job I've ever had, but that was a really great job. And um, then I left there and I went to work for a fleet called 10 Mile Exchange in Canal in Crown Point. Now, I don't know how long I was there. And I left there and I, then I went to work for Gates Fuel Service in Santa Fe, Texas, but I dispatched from home for about two years. They're affiliated with FMT. So I know a lot of those people from FMT on the maintenance side because I was involved in the maintenance side and also did, you know, also they would come into Cody and they would go into Elmwood. So I got to meet all those guys. And again, at Labor because we did all those bar power units. So I was in charge of all the engine startups and things like that. It was exciting. It was pretty, I enjoyed it very much, you know. I, I worked for Harold Dodd, and he told me one time, never find a job you love. You never have to work a day in your life. And he was he was right. I just, I don't know, last time this business, and it just wouldn't let me go. You know, it's just been, it's been exciting. <laughs> it hasn't been boring, I can tell you. But, um, I, you know, when James asked me to come here, I just, so why not? You know, my kids are grown. I'm by myself now and I don't go anywhere I want. So this has been, it's been crazy. It's been crazy busy and it's been exciting, you know. Has there been any specific job or, or job task that you were especially attracted to that you really, really well, enjoyed? I like it. I like coordinating things, whether it's repairs or coordinating arrival times or just, you know, coordinating. I like putting things together, making, making it happen. Those are the things that, that kind of strike me, you know, those, those things that I'm interested in because, and that's all, that's always seems to be a challenge, you know, same thing with engine repairs and things like that. I mean, you run into the same people all the time, but it's the same, but it's always different. Nothing is ever cooked cutter, but like here, we opened up this bar flute and we actually went out and had to you know, contact our customers and contact the boats and reacclimate yourself and reintroduce yourself into the business because you're not always doing, you know, I wasn't always doing the same thing, but with, with this way here, it's been, sometimes I may put in 12, 15 hours. Well, I do not sometimes, mostly all the time, 12, 15 hours a day. I may work Saturdays, Sundays, holidays. On the, it doesn't bother me because I enjoy it. And I enjoy the people. The people is, that's one of the things I think that keep me going back. The people. You need some characters. Well, I know on our uh, our preliminary phone conversation, you dropped a lot of names that I was familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, I think you've known a lot of the people I've met. I've been lucky enough to meet uh, Dennis mm -hmm. Vallejo being one of them, for sure. That's a character. Uh, <laughs> I love him. Um, he makes you laugh. you have any stories to share about some of those people? Anything interesting or especially memorable from over the years? Mm -hmm. No, not really. I don't know. Um, I'd have to sit down and think about it. The, the one person that really, um, really played a big part in really introducing me to this business and always supporting me and being behind me was Miss Sherry Felder. She was, I admired her so much. She just had all this class and she just, you know, sophistication and she just, she handled the way she handled people and handled things. That just totally, I was like, blew me away, you know. So I said, 
she was one of the driving forces and I, whatever I wanted to do, she was game. I could expose, I could do just about anything she'd say, but you just, you know, you, you, you people grow on you, you know, you just get really attached to, I do anyway. And so she's one of the people that in my whole career, I can say that I've always tried to keep in touch with her. We might not speak for months, a couple of years, but she's always there. You know, I have to say that she's been one of the people that um, I've, you know, worked with together every day for seven and a half years. And, you know, I knew her prior to that, but that she was just a blessing. And George Atkins, the same. I mean, they were, they were really good mentors for me. That That's who pretty much grew me in this business especially on the Tobo side. So when I left there, I had no interest in barge police whatsoever. And now it's like, this is probably my fourth barge fleet that I've worked in. And some of it's been dry cargo. Some of it's been chemical and cargo. This is strictly chemical. But it's it's just always interesting, you know, just to make, to get to put your input into something and help something grow. That's the thing. I, I, I like that. That's that's what keeps me here. And of course, James, I know James for so long. I know what he's thinking. I know the answer. I already know what he's going to ask me next. So, of course, I know the answer to the question. But I enjoy working with him. And he's he's a stickler, you know. <laughs> keeps you on your toes. Right. Yeah, but we, we just always seem to, to, to mesh. So there's a million stories, you know. I, I know his wife. I know his children. I'm, yeah they're like my family, you know, I've seen them, I've seen the oldest and the youngest, I've seen them, I see them growing. And it's, it's oh, kind of nice that you have those connections after all these years. Yeah. So that's, he's the reason I came here. And so were they, because that's all I, I didn't know anybody else here in Corpus. You know, I know John Rooney and people like that, but they're not here in Corpus or Nigglesite or, you know, different places. But heck, I've been so doggone busy. I don't have time to go visit, you know, or even visit on the phone. So. This is, um, you know, it's just, it's just different. It's just a whole new life for me. And it's great. Business is, here in Corpus is busier than I think it's ever been. And, and it's great to be a part of that. This is something new. And it's a little out of, I wouldn't say out of my league. It's just, it's a, it's a lot different than doing it in New Orleans or doing it in Baton Rouge or doing it in the Houston Ship Channel. It's a whole lot different. It, it requires a lot of effort, a lot of work. And being able to put things together and grasping it, you know, got to keep up with so many things, weather and things that affects our business. But it, it's um, it's it's great. I think that um, I, I think I would have regretted not doing it. In all that spare time you may or may not have for your personal <laughs> life, what do you enjoy doing? Huh? I go visit. I go back to Louisiana and visit my family, my children, my grandchildren. But um. Outside of that, I mean, it's the same, same thing that everybody else does. Go to the grocery shop and go, you know, do things you have to do, little chores. And other than that, I mean, it's really, I really don't have a whole lot of time. I'm not a person that goes out a lot, so I really don't have a whole lot of time, nor do I want to go. We do go to the beach and we enjoy some of those things. You know, they have like the Sandcastle exhibit or um, I went to Mardi Gras on the beach. That was cool, but that's about it. I mean. You know, keep my circle small, just keep my keep myself focused on what it is I have to do. And at the end of the day, it's like I'm just going home. I'm tired, you know, but kind of boring home. <laughs> but it's okay. Uh, I'm the same way. I work, you know, eight to ten hours a day and then I come do this. That's about it. 
that, but, that uh, really but um, did your children follow you into the industry? Well, my son has worked on boats. Um, and he was a decaneer, actually. He did pretty well. He's like really mechanically inclined. But he also is a certified fitter and welder. So that's what he's currently doing. But he loves boats. It's just he's getting he's getting married. So he's pretty much staying close to the shore, which I'm glad. My daughter, no, she didn't never have... She wished she would have, I think, but um, she never really had an interest. And other than, hey, mom, I need you to dress or something, you know. <laughs> but no, she she's a housewife. She has kids, so she takes care of her kids. She's real good at it. Good mother. Well, tell me a little bit about the uh, the beginning of Southern Fleet and logistics and down there in Corpus, and I guess what has progressed to, I think you said, in about a year's time. Well, we started out, we opened up, and we, I came here probably two weeks shy of them driving the actual pylons in our west, but we have a fleet in the Viola Channel and um, it, it can accommodate loads and empties. But when I came here, I think they had just put the office trailer on them at the main terminal site in the chemical base. So we, it was, you know, we put set up procedures, policies, that kind of thing, and, you know, how we were going to dispatch and how to go about it and kind of, frustrated each other and um, I guess probably like the middle of March we opened up the West in Viola Channel. And we had no customers of course you know so I mean nobody knew we were here so I, it was pretty much a job to get your name out there get the fleet out there the fleet's name and tell them where we're located and it, it's been a it's really been a godsend for some of those guys too because you know, there's so many, there's so many docks here and there wasn't enough fleeting space. So we were able to help them and that, that we've helped a lot, you know, we've helped them, they've helped us immensely. And then I'd say probably May or June of that year, we opened up, if I'm not mistaken, we opened up the main terminal here in chemical and we, we have a barge dock, we have a deck barge and we fixed it up and really nice put hand you know nice handrails and everything so we can accommodate up to four push boats in our at our main terminal and so they can come in crew change to groceries you know the, the whole the whole goal was to pretty much um, be a one-stop shop in other words we had maintenance here like a crew change they can put their groceries and eventually we were going to get water and fuel which we've done that you know, not, our latest achievement was actually getting running water here because that was that was not the easiest task. But but we've we've kind of muddled through all of that, and um, it's been pretty exciting. You know, it's like always something new to you know we're always like trying to make it better. And the, some of the captains that James knows, they'll, they'll come in and like, man, James, this is really nice. You know, y'all, this you have a class act and set up really nice and. Boats enjoy coming here, and it's it's there aren't a lot of places that you can go to crew change. So we offer that opportunity to not just the boats that are in this fleet, but also some of the other boats that aren't that aren't in here. But we know we're the only place they can go. They do groceries with us, and it's just it's always something new. It's always and it's the same. It's just always something new. So we have some great customers, and we just love them. And they, hopefully they they love us as much as we love them. So far, so good. I hope. Well, what's your your barge capacity there in the fleet? 
Well, the the um, the load empty and loaded fleet in Viola. We let's see. I'm gonna try to figure this one out. We it's a small fleet, really. It's not a, on the scale. Said compared to New Orleans, it's a really small fleet. We might be able to accommodate 12 to 18 barges. Just depends. I think somewhere around 16 is a good number for us, and that's a combination of loads and empties. Here at the main terminal, we have. Uh, we have pylons here, and we're able to accommodate three empties here, but that's about it. Hopefully, we'll expand on that someday, I hope. It would be nice to be able to, to do, but you know, it just, even that little bit, you know, I'll say it's a small fleet compared to what I'm accustomed to, but it it's a challenge because you don't, you, it's always a mixture of loads and empties, and you have to all make, you have to make it all work out. So even as much as you think you know, you're always on something new, which is great for me. Because I feel like if you stop learning, it's time to die. You know, it's time to die or retire. But it's just it's exciting and it's interesting. And you know, it, it just holds my interest because I know that you there's a lot of things that you have to think about to make it all work oh, out. So sure, sure. not everybody can do it. And you've got people coming, it's a secure facility here at the main terminal, so have to come through to August. We have to sign you in. You know, we read. Of course, I'm the, I'm the AFSL as well because I've done that. Um, so, you know, someone's got to be the bad guy and being the safety person too. I mean, it's just what it is. But it, you know, gives some of these guys an opportunity. Some of the guys that work for us to become PICs, and we have some tankmen that work for us, licensed tankmen, merchant. You know. Credentialed mariners, and up there, you know, we've moved down one of them into a dispatch role, and I, I think it's going to do really well. Like I said, you know, you always learn something. I learn something from them every single day because I know, I've, even though I've been doing it all these years, you always learn something, new. and that's always new technology coming in, just crazy things, you know. And we, are, I'm gonna boast this because I need to brag about this. We are the only. 100% green fleet that we know of. Might be, be in the world, but we know here in the United States we're the, the only 100% green fleet out there. Meaning there's no electricity there. We're um, we have security cameras, but it's all those cameras are all powered by solar power. So we have no running electricity there at all. And here at the main terminal, we do we do have security cameras. But um, we we have backup generation things like that. So we're we are right now in a we're in the process of we already have our contingency contingency plan put together. But we're always making changes and we're always upgrading equipment and we like to you know we like to boast that we're we're a Green Marine member. I think we're probably I think the the port of Corpus is also a Green Marine member, and then we are. And I don't know of any other company here that has come on board with that but we like i like to boast that there's some criteria that has to be met there as well so but it um it's been a challenge even that's been a challenge the cameras and how you keep them running things like that but we've um we think we've reached that plateau i think we're you know getting better at it every day especially the the solar power one but that's a that's a pretty big achievement I think. How many boats operate there in the fleet for you? None. 
So it's it's all self-service? Yes, it is. Okay. So you just dispatch your truck and all the ins and outs and all that kind of stuff? All of that, everything. We're actually, when we started out, we, um, to get boats in here, we actually would go track down on the marine, on the marine maps, you know, the marine app and uh, on AIS and things like that. And um, we'd actually get in contact with the boat or the customer and say, hey, you know, we've opened the suite and started, you know, then every, all this, went through all the steps, but then we, you know, we just slowly acquired, started acquiring our customers. Golden was, is one of them, Mark Marie, you know, um, ACBL, shoot, let's see, Chem Carriers, I know you're familiar with those guys, um, Genesis, Campbell, I can go on and on, but so all, all of the majors, they fleeted here, and they do, and we try, we try to provide them with good service. And I don't know if I can't remember when, when anybody's ever complained. I can't say that we're perfect, but we are working on being the best we can be. So that's important. Well, I guess in closing, I have kind of found myself oddly attracted to this industry. I, I can't explain the draw, but when I walked in the door at AEP in 2015, something was different. Uh, do you have any any feelings or message for the industry or for your years of experience? I can say um, I had that similar attraction, and it never it never went away. It just I had this un, I had to learn more. I had to know more. I had to know more about me because I always said when I worked for Marine and we did they don't call it Trent towing anymore. They call it line hauling, but we actually had thirteen push boats. Eight of those boats, we trench towed in the canal, which meant we're always looking for work for the boats. I was looking for barges in them. And that's how I got to know Dennis. And and then when I went to work for Compass Dockside Towing and Fleet was actually owned by Memco. I went to work for uh, Medco, then Memco. I changed companies three times in a year and I still worked for the same people. That was great. But I got to meet a lot of great people. And it just you were always meeting interesting people, a lot of characters, they make you laugh, never a dull moment. They pull some crazy stuff, even the guys on the boat. So you gotta kind of think out the box. I remember one story that does come to mind, Terrence. I worked for Terrence when he was uh, in, he was in charge of both Compass Dockside Fleet, what they called it, M1, and then Convent. And after Katrina, he said, Debbie said, I like what I like about you is you can think out the box. I said, baby, in this business, you better think out the box because you better be ready. Because you're never going to see everything. You're never going to see everything. You won't. And it, 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 you just won't. I keep saying, I know I've seen it all, but that's not true. It just keeps progressing. People get crazier. And, uh, you know, I'm messing. And all I can, I keep going back to the people. It's the people. It's all about the people. And, the, you know, you can fix this too. You just can't fix the people. But there's some pretty, I, there's some really dedicated people in this industry, unlike I've ever seen. Even though the generations have changed somewhat, some quite a bit, but it's just always about the people for me. And I enjoy people. That's like, that's the most important thing. You have to have, you know, you have to realize that that's like the most important part of this business. You can have the, hot, the best equipment in the world, but it's the people. It's the people. And 
I, I've seen what I have seen the trend though, like older people, you know, th some of them that you get to a certain age, you want to kick to the corn, you know, kick it to the curb. But I don't see that happening anymore. You know, a lot of people retiring from this business, and I miss them because those are people that I had those relationships with, and you'd laugh, and you'd be, you know, you'd be your best friend on the telephone. You probably never met the person in your life, but you know, they're a good friend or whatever. And they're they're all retiring, and I guess they feel like it. I personally am going to die at my desk because I I can't. I, what would I do? And I, that's the first thing I say. What would I do? And I wouldn't miss this because I'm naturally nosy anyway. <laughs> I'm always. It's always about solutions. But those people that you know, some companies have kind of pushed to retire. You know, they're getting older, or whatever. I don't. I see that trend changing because. People start to realize that maybe some of these old geezers might actually have some value, you know, and and they do, you know. Just times are different since COVID. Times have changed. I think times have changed, and I'm grateful for it because I I know I don't want somebody to push me out of retirement. That's always said, and I've said this for 20 years, 30 years. I'm dying at my desk because I I would miss out on all this excitement, <laughs> you know. I'm a, I know I don't think straight, but when you're working, you know, you're working in a bar suite or you're working around people in this industry, it's all going fast, you know, and it's hard. Some people, it's hard to keep up. It's not for everybody. So when my kids decided they didn't want any part of this, I said, you know, I can't say I blame you, but I know I'm not, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because I'm comfortable doing that. And it, I was always one I liked working in the background. I was not one of those forerunners, just... Keep me working in the background. Put me in the trenches and I'll fight my way out, you know. It was enjoyable. And that was my job. That's what I enjoyed doing, dispatching the boats or, you know, coordinating the maintenance or going to engine swings or, you know, putting up on dry dock. That, that was my thing. You know, just, heck, somebody's going to let me go. I'm, I'm doing it. You know, I was going to the shipyard. I thought it was great. And that kind of, that was a big part of Medco too, because they, that was their program when Chris was, you know, see when Chris was on the, on the top there, that was one of the requirements that we had to do once a year. We had to board so many boats, ride so many boats, or go out to visit them. And I thought that was helpful. It was helpful getting to understand how they think. Because you know, you want to make you know, you want to make something happen, you gotta know how that person thinks. How are you gonna how are you gonna get this guy to work with? You're gonna do that. And so it it made them more comfortable. It made us more comfortable. It made me more comfortable anyway. But I don't know. It's just like people don't they don't want to do manuals. And I'm thinking this is good. This is real. I can read something that I finally that I finally am interested in and make some changes. You know, get some get somebody help me get put get some input on it from the guys out there. You know, on the boats or the tank men or say. There's anybody, maintenance side of it. I think that's great, you know, that, you, that you, there's a common denominator because we all have to have these manuals whether we want to or not. And I just said, man, this is a great way to kind of bring people together and get them to understand why you have to do it this way. You know, why, why are there rules and regulations? And and it's kind of, it's a, a lot of people, I believe me, I, I know it's for the best and I know things have changed but it is for the best and it's for the safety of this. And it's for the safety of these guys. It's, and it's, it's to better enhance the future of this, of the Marine business. It really is because we, 
you know, I, I hate seeing people lose their lives. And so if you can, you know, educate someone and teach them why safety and compliance and all these things are important, and better educate them on it, then maybe, you know, we have a chance to better the, as a whole, to better the industry. Because we all know, you know, rules and regulations were mandated by the Coast Guard based on something that happened that shouldn't happen, but keeps on happening. So they, you know, they change the rules accordingly. I get that. Sometimes it's, didn't want to, but they've been forced to do it. OSHA and all the, you know, I mean, we're subject to some of that too, but mostly it's, it's Coast Guard. And we've had the Coast Guard come here at our main terminal at least three times in the last year. And we were happy to have them. We were really, we're really proud of this, you know. And all of this fleet, this whole fleet was designed by a captain, licensed captain, that'd be Captain James Scott. He placed these pilots and batters where he thought they needed to be placed. And it's worked out extremely well. And I'm proud of, I'm proud to say that. Because he's given us a lot of thought. We, this isn't something that just flew and landed in his lap overnight. He's planned it. And I, I just, I respect him for that, you know. Well, that'll just about do it for my questions, I think. I do appreciate your time this afternoon, Ms. Mayfield. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to boast about our fleet here. I'll let you know when I have this already. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. This has been a production of Where You At Studios, LLC.